thank you, Lord, for your, your presence here, and we thank you that you have accepted our offering. Um, Lord, this world holds nothing for us. We don't want anything it's got anymore. We want to go where you're going. And I ask you, in the authority of your name, Jesus, I ask you that you would continue to make us uh, a people that are able to walk through your fire so that we can be the people that carry that fire, that impact this terrible place out here. We thank you for all your goodness. Father, I want to thank you for your grace on this body of Christ, on your body. I want to thank you for your mercy on this body, and I want to thank you for your favor on this body. Will you do something in our heart this morning? Bless us this morning. I'm asking for your blessing, Jesus. Amen. 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 So we're, um, we are, actually, would somebody help me out? I can tell that I'm going to need more water. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's not going to cut it. Still struggling with my voice, so keep praying for me. I don't know if this has been like weeks. <clears throat> okay. Here we go, though. We got good stuff. We're in a series on anointing. It's going to look like, and what I, they're starting to make fun of me a little bit. I think we're on like part 19 or something like that. And I'm like, 19? Like, we should probably switch. And they're like, no, don't switch. <laughs> so um, it's not going to seem like we're talking about anointing this morning, I bet, but we are, okay? The, this is about that. And you know, I, I just want to start with this. Um, Back in January, I told you, thank you so much. I, okay. I told you, um, what am I talking about? Back in January, I told you that this, um, actually this was like last week or something, I told you that this church does pay attention to um, the word of the prophets. Um, in fact, it's, it's very biblical that if you don't, you're on a course that is not guided. It's very biblical. So we do, and one of the voices that the Lord has proven time and again that, that speaks in this church um, had this word back in January. I think I told you about this re recently. I'm going to tell you again. The word is, and this is for 2021, okay? This is not a year of you getting what you want, but my year of, get, of getting exactly what I want in you. I'm going to say that again. The word is, this is not a year of you getting what you want, but my year of getting exactly what I want in you. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Can you already see how that relates to the subject of anointing? <laughs> um, this is what I want to tell you. Actually, do this first. Go to, go to Romans chapter 12. I'm just going to read the first two verses. They're pretty famous verses. You guys know these already, but it's going to kickstart us where we're going, okay? Romans chapter 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but 
Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You could study just those two verses for a month or a year, um, but let's don't. I just want to point out one thing. I want you to notice the connection between being a living sacrifice and not conforming to this world. Okay, having your mind renewed, not conforming to this world. In other words, I might suggest that's actually the definition of being a living sacrifice, is not being of this world, not conforming to this world. The sacrifice is conforming to another kingdom. And we're going to look at that conforming this morning. Um, (coughs) Do you know that, um, well, you know this, mercy... And favor, these two words, they, they are very biblical, yes? Um, <laughs> our God is merciful, first of all. And, and that is a very specific thing, the mercy of God. We could study that. We could have a whole series on how merciful God is or the mercy of God, okay? We could do the same thing with favor. Now, favor's been poisoned. Why? Because there's this prosperity gospel out here where they've, connect, they've done all these untrue things with it, okay, where they, they basically say, well, if you're not living in this extravagant favor where everything goes your way all the time, then you must be doing something wrong. They're connecting the, the attributes or the activities of God to our performance. Okay, right. Don't do that. That's disgusting. Okay, but if we lay that aside and we do something true, the favor of God is a very biblical thing. In fact, if you even just use your common sense, can you imagine a good father that didn't absolutely delight in showering favor upon the children or a good mother? That would be ridiculous, right? Um, We live to favor our children. And if silly fathers like me and you and mothers mothers like you and whatever are that good, then how much, this is a pretty much a paraphrase of a scripture somewhere, Hebrews 11, 12, I think. Um, how much more God, right? He's a good father. He showers favor. Now, here's, here's the problem. And this is what, well, it's not a problem. Here's something we need to understand to go where we're going. Um, it may feel like a problem. <clears throat> it's what we do with grace, okay? Do you know that mercy and favor are faces of grace? But can, can you think of other faces of grace? How, how God sheds his grace? How he is graceful? I want you to do this exercise just for a minute, okay? I'm gonna give you like, 20 seconds for this, okay? So you got to move on this. I want you to think about one time in your life where God has manifested extravagant grace for you. Just nod your head or something for me if you got something. Okay. All right. Y'all have extravagant grace. Now, I want you to just kind of recount that for a second. How do you feel when you think about it? And what did that grace do? Where did it lead you? What impact did it have? A little bit of difference? (laughs) A lot of difference? There's both. I mean, he does both. That's okay. Now, I want you to, how many of you thought of a really hard or challenging season or a season full of trial when you thought about God's extravagant grace? 
How many of you got, got a few? Got a few. That's good. That's good. You see, and I want to tell you this before we even, before we really start digging in the word here. Help me, Jesus. Um, do you know that the word of God, the instruction in the word of God, you know, the letters of the New Testament are filled with a lot of instruction, right? And what is it for? Now, I'm going to pose something out there. Is it for your salvation? No, why? I'm, why? Why isn't it? Why is that ridiculous to think that the instructions in the word of God are for your salvation? Do you know why that's ridiculous? It's works. It's works. The Word of God specifically says that you're saved by what alone? Grace. Grace, by, by grace alone. And, and your faith in that, in that active grace, that finished work. Okay? Works, doing well, performance. Anything good that you can do contributes nothing to the salvation Jesus provided for you. That's it. As soon as we do a Jesus plus thing, <laughs> saves me, Jesus or his finished work plus something else or something I can do or a sacri- even a sacrifice that I can make, we're doing something untrue. So why is there so much instruction? In the word of God. Sanctification, that's good. I like that. So we've got a theologian here. That is absolutely the right answer. But um, let's do something here. I want you to go to John 10 with me. John, Gospel of John 10, starting verse 7. And we're just going to look at, you know, there are a couple of places that Jesus tells us why he came. Like just, he just puts it right out there. He didn't want there to be able to be any debate (laughs) on why he came. You're not going to be able to make this up because I'm going to tell you clearly. And this is one of those passages starting verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Okay? There's no other door. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find a pasture. Now, a verse on the enemy. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And here it is. This is why we're reading this. I have come that they, or you, may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Do you know why he came? To give abundant life. Okay? That's good news. That's good news. Abundant life. What's the instruction for? It's for abundant life. You understand you can be absolutely saved and be a very miserable creature <laughs> and a very unfruitful creature, a very destructive and poisonous creature. You follow me? Why? Because your salvation has nothing to do with your performance. <laughs> But if you want participation in the abundant life, or what we're talking about in this million-part series, the anointing, um, then we're talking about those instructions suddenly become very, very important. At the baptism of Jesus, the dove came upon and remained. He's the example of living that life, right? In other words, he was a welcome place that the Holy Spirit of God um, could come upon and remain. 
okay, could be full force powerful, nothing hindering. You got it? Who wants to be like that? You know, Jesus said, and you do know this, I just don't know if you believe it. I don't know if I believe it half the time. He said you were going to do greater things. Meditate on that for about 100 hours, and I bet it'll change your life. Um, He said you were going to do greater things. He means for you to be a place where the Spirit comes upon and remains. Amen? In other words, the instructions suddenly become very, very important. Why? For a great performance? No. (laughs) There's very little value in you having a good performance. But you becoming a heart that, that is by the, by the word of God, you become a place that is a welcome temple of the Holy Spirit for what you're made for. So important to understand that because there, there's so much spiritual abuse out there that uses the instructions in the word of God to batter and bash people and there's no truth in it. It'll always just be the performance of Jesus. Thank God because my performance is so pathetic so much of the time. Anybody else? Okay, a few other, there were were a couple of people who didn't respond to that. We'll pray for you. There's stuff for you to learn about this. All right. So what is grace? And I want to tell you, I want to give you, we're going to redefine grace a little bit. I'm just going to, we're going to get a biblical understanding of grace this morning because it's so important. And I'm going to give you this quick version here, okay? Grace is the living power to save, redeem, and empower, okay? So you can see how favor, mercy, all these things are faces of grace, but they are not grace itself. Grace is the living power of God, to take us into our destiny, to transform us, to make us into the carriers of the kingdom. Am I doing okay there? Okay, I got some pondering looks coming at me. We're almost diving into the big, you just have to permit me this, we're going to dive into a big passage here, but you know Jesus only had one message. He only ever pre- and when he sent the disciples, the 12, and the 72, when he did his sending, he only said, go... Go tell them this one thing. Go tell them about this. And um, do you know what that one message is? Kingdom. Kingdom. (laughs) Air high five. It's the message of the kingdom. It's the good news of the kingdom. It's the only thing he ever preached. It's the only thing he's still teaching. It's the only truth he's bringing us into. Okay? And so I've got to say this because this really does... um, lead us into what I have to say this morning. This is just the starter. In other words, what? In other words, you know, two things. Um, Let me just do this. Um, One of the wisest people I know said this this week, and one thing that means is you don't get the kingdom without the king. (laughs) There's no such thing as as moving deeper into the kingdom of God or having greater understanding, fuller participation, your residence becoming the kingdom without submission and understanding and becoming more one mind with the king. Um, The benefits of the kingdom are part of the kingdom that only come with the king. Okay? The other one I would say, and this has always been my go-to definition, because I have people say, what is the king? Tell me what the kingdom is. And I usually just say, the kingdom is everything the spirit touches. 
Okay? There's two kingdoms. There's the world kingdom, which we just read in Romans 12, says, um, don't be conformed to that, but rather be trans- transformed into this one. There's a world kingdom, and then there's his kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the one that he reigns, and so he fills with his spirit. The kingdom is everything that the spirit reigns over and in. Why do we say that? Because we're going we're gonna to talk about grace. Let's begin redoing our, our understanding of grace a little bit. Go to 2 Samuel um, chapter 24, and I'm going to start right in verse 1. I've got to tell you, God is so fun. I was praying over um, what, to, what we're going to do this morning in the word here. And I, um, um, what do I want to tell? I had a, a narrative come to me about David making an offering and what that teaches us um, about making an offering and, and having the acting grace of God on our lives. And... Um, but I didn't exactly, I couldn't really remember where that was. Well, I went and looked, and, and this offering was for a very particular sin that David had committed that needed redemption. And, um, and I thought, well, I can't teach on that without knowing what, what sin we're dealing with here. So I backed up a little, and it was literally the continuation of either last week's message or the week before, and I didn't even know that. I was like, oh, hey, look, look where we are. You can't make that up. Um, anyway, it was fun, fun for me. <laughs> so that's where we are. We're, and I'll tell you, I'm, let me see if we're going to read that. Um, yeah, we're going to read that. So you're going to hear what this sin is again. And it's 2 Samuel 24. Okay, here we go. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. In other words, you know what he did? He became world-focused instead of kingdom-focused. He started paying attention to numbers as if that would indicate anything, relying on the thoughts, the constructs of the world to, see, to, to shore up their strength instead of finding all of his strength where? In God and the spoken word over those chosen people, right? That's the sin here. We're tempted to it all the time. You might, um, I can't linger here too long, but you might look at your own life and go um, and ask yourself, this is a worthy exercise, what of the world do do I put some stock in for my security, my significance, um, my, my safety? You got it? Because that's what he's doing here. That's why he numbers. That's why some churches... Pay attention to data and numbers. It's they're, they're thinking that's the security of the future. Or it tells them something about whether we're in the move of the Spirit or the will of God. Even though likely the numbers will lie to you every time. Because it's an unseen kingdom. You follow me? Okay, that's the sin here. Verse 2, So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and count the people that I may know the number of the people. And now listen to the wisdom of Joab, said to the king, now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than they are, and may the eyes of the Lord king see it. You hear what you're hearing? In other words, he's saying he has a faith in that God is the one who holds our future. He's the one who makes the plans and makes sure they, they happen. He doesn't have a limitation 
on his faith are what, are what the Lord can accomplish, regardless of what you see right now. You follow? And so he says, um, verse 4, Nevertheless, let the king's word... Um, nevertheless, I mean to say, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. Therefore, Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. Verse 5, and they crossed over the, the Jordan and camped in, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, or a rower, <laughs> on the right side of the town in, in the midst of the ravine of Gad and toward Gazer. Then they came to Gilead, to the land of Tatim Hoji, and they came to Dan John. I should have looked all these up. I didn't, so the pronunciations. And around Sidon, and they came to the stronghold of Tyre, and to the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. They went out to the south of Judah as far as Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem. At the end of nine months and 20 days. You know what I read out of that? Do you know how much effort that took? <laughs> Was anybody getting worn out while I read? <laughs> Me too. I was starting to look like, maybe I should skip even though I'm making a point here. Verse 9, Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king, and there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. Now listen to verse 10. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. You know, it never tells us, I went, I really dug, I really went, I prayed about this. It never tells us how David's heart condemned him. Let's just say, I believe the spirit of the Lord was acting. The, the presence of the Lord was there. And do you know when the presence of the Lord starts to get into whatever your situation is at the moment, and you're off course even one degree, but you're paying attention, your heart will condemn you. Anybody experience that this week? <laughs> About 10 times? <laughs> <coughs> And David's heart condemned him. So David said to the Lord, I've sinned greatly in what I've done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I've done very foolishly. Do you know iniquity is a, um, it's a, a, a word that passes on. In other words, iniquity is something that takes root. It hangs out even upon generations. But David's heart condemned him and he begins to pray out to the Lord. So he has this chance in this moment to say, to say the effects of this sin. What? His salvation? Is the Lord going to let David go? No. But the instruction of the word of God, um, being of one mind, going the right direction with the Lord, has everything to do with kingdom building, the anointing, the favor of God upon. Yes? The presence of God upon Okay, so verse 11. Now, when David arose, I'm going fast on purpose. I want you to know because I'm really going to slow down in a bit, but I feel like you need all this to get there. Now, when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad. Do you notice what happened? David's heart condemned him. He prayed to get right, and God sent a prophet. I don't know why I'm telling you that. 
I just, I felt the, the I just kind of felt the Spirit say, tell them this. He, he prayed, he asked to get from where he is to where he needs to be, the gap there, and God sent a prophet. I don't know who the people are that speak into your life, who are spirit-filled that have the word for you, but I want to tell you something. Sometimes when we pray, the way of God is to give, is to give his words to people for you, Okay? David's seer saying, so Gad, David's seer, saying, go tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself. So here's God's answer. I I give you three choices, okay, that I may do it to you. Verse 13, so Gad, the prophet, came to David and told him, and he said to him, shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or, option three, shall there be three days' plague in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. Did you gather what happened? The prophet is saying, here's the word of the Lord. He's given you three options to take care of this, and you get to choose. And I'm going to go back and speak to the Lord and say, okay, go, Lord, do it. Restore this people. I just want you to notice which option is a pleasant one. (laughs) Option nope. Okay, but now I'm going to give you a very serious question. I want you to ponder this question. Which option is the grace of God? All of them, right? He's offering them all. See, we so often, we think of the grace of God as um, God, you know, we, we confuse favor and grace, or mercy and grace. And let me tell you something, favor is part of grace, but I want to tell you something else. We're, we're going through hard years here, and there's, life just has hard stuff, and it's not, it's not a whoops. It's not God falling asleep at the wheel. It is the grace of God. And we're going to look really clearly. It's so important that we don't miss the grace of God because we're looking for the wonderful thing all the time. Every choice is grace. Do you notice that every choice is going to wipe out some people? Now, before we read on, I've got to give you a a study tip. I've, I've done this with you guys all the time. So you know this. When you read about Israel, you have to read about Israel as if it's one man, okay? In other words, when you read about Israel, you're reading about yourself. So like if one-third of the population, whatever, if, if God's going to wipe out a certain number of people, the way you can view that in, in spiritual reality for yourself is, is it's like there's also stuff in you, there's a portion in you that's got to be wiped out. Israel is never completely destroyed, okay? He's never, he promises he's never going to completely destroy you. He never promised he wasn't going to burn things like crazy <laughs> because he's that good, because he's a God of grace, because he's crazy about you, because he's got an incredible crazy destiny of, of power and favor and witness and all the joy of that participation before you. He's that crazy about you. And so therefore, he's got a, a very fiery version of grace <laughs> for his children a lot of the time. Amen? That's what this is. This isn't because he doesn't like David. 
This is because he's crazy about David. And he's going to send a fire. (laughs) He's going to burn some stuff up, baby. Because he's making a people that can carry a greater weight of glory. And he's making you into someone that can carry a greater weight of glory. Fire gets hot sometimes. Now watch what happens here. We doing okay? Okay, watch what happens. Verse 14. And David said, <laughs> What's going you guys are enjoying yourself too much. You're not being pious enough in the Lord. <laughs> Verse 14, and David said to Gad, I'm in great distress. Yeah, Betty was in great distress. Did you hear the options? <laughs> yeah, Betty was in great distress. Listen to me. Never discount the place of your feelings in your relationship with God. You know, he made you with those feelings. When you're in great distress, go to God. He's probably working right there. He might be trying to give you options. (laughs) (coughs) Ah, Excuse me, sorry. Okay, I'm in great distress, yep. Please, this is David's prayer. Here's his answer. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. You got that? You see what he did? There were two options that really were not the hand of the Lord. You know, being pursued and slaughtered by your enemies, not that, I mean, the Lord uses everything, okay? He can turn everything to good, but that's not exactly falling into the hand of the Lord. And what does David know? David knows the Lord that, that whether it is, it is the hardcore side of his grace Oh, a cough drop. Is that what you're waving? I'm like, why is he going like that? That is a weird behavior. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we'll see if I can. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for being weird enough to make sure I get this cough drop. See how that works. We'll see if I can talk like this. Whether it's the hardcore, I think I'm saying, side of grace or the merciful side of grace, David knows the Lord well enough to know that, it, that he, he'll be okay as long as he's in his hand. Verse 15, so the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time. You notice it's appointed? See, that's in the Lord's hand. Do you know that the enemy... Both the enemy and this world, which are two different things, are relentless. In other words, they they don't set a boundary on your destruction, neither one of them. Whereas God, you see, you see, when God is active in our life, he sets boundaries because because he's after something. Do you know what he's after? We're gonna see it. What's he after? Your heart. You see, he knows exactly where to put the boundary on the trial. That that fire may get hot, but he knows exactly where to stop, where he gets what he wants in you for your good. And you're not destroyed. That's how good he is. You see, he loves you that much. He's that crazy about you. What verse was I on? 16, 15, 
15, the Lord sent a plague for an appointed time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, it is enough, now restrain your hand. I think so David was right. See, he had a relationship where he knew God well enough to go, I know which is the best choice. Let me fall into the hand of the Lord because he has mercy. And he turned out to be exactly right. Here's the restraint. The angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor, and I definitely cannot pronounce this, uh, um, Arana, the Jebusite. Well, let's call him Mr. A. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Mr. A, the Jebusite, because it's going to keep coming up. <laughs> he set a boundary right there. Why do you think he set the boundary right there? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that's true. That's true. Why else? <laughs> that's big picture. I love that. Because the temple's going to be right there. Um, that's right. But I'm going to tell you that as we read forward, we're going to see he set the boundary right there because right there was where... Was where the fiery grace of God had accomplished what was needed in David to carry the glory so that the temple would end up right there. <laughs> That's good. You know, I didn't even think about that. That's so brilliantly right. <laughs> yep. But here, God's dealing with David, okay? And he's, he's concerned about David's heart. Yes, he has all these epic plans for Jerusalem and the kingdom. And yet, he's the God of grace who has a fiery moment for David because he's going to get what he wants in David. Anybody glad he's going to get what he wants in you? Even if it's going to hurt like hell, are you still glad? Yeah, see, we know. We've, have, you've already walked enough to know that it's worth it, right? Go ahead and have your fire in me. Lord, in fact, I've gotten to the point, I'm like, let's just get, now let's get, get it over with. Bring some more, bring some more. Like, why prolong this thing? <laughs> Verse 17, and we're really getting to the real word, um, but we, we just have to do this. All of this matters. What we're doing here, it leads to, or we won't get it, or we'll miss what the real thing is. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, surely I've sinned and I've done wickedly, but these sheep, these sheep, what have, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and be against my father's house. Do you see what he did? Do you see a change in his heart? From his dependence on the world, and I'm, I'm, I'm scared for myself, I'm operating in fear, I'm going to number the people, I'm going to be world-driven here, shore up my own strength. He changes from that to saying, let it fall on me. What did the people do to you? So this, this line is drawn right where the heart change is. Now I want to show you, we're going to keep going, I'm going to show you how the heart what else changes here, okay? Verse 18, and Gad came that day. Here's the prophet again. To David and said to him, go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Mr. A. In other words, set an altar where my grace 
began to turn to mercy because I'd accomplished what I wanted in you. Put an altar right there. Make an offering. You know, that's the same thing as saying make an offering. Now, I, I think they're actually, they're building an altar, but it's the same thing. There's only one reason you do that because we're going to make offerings right here where your fire had its work. You see? Where I was transformed by your fire's work and you got something you wanted in me. Thank you, God. I'm going to make an offering right here. So David, according to the word of Gad, isn't that funny? Usually it's according to the word of the Lord. Gad, here is Gad. Um, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Mr. A looked and saw the king and his servant coming toward him. So Mr. A went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Now listen, this is so important. Listen to what happens here. Verse 21. Mr. A said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Verse 22. Now, A said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, I'm giving to the king, he says. Okay? Now listen to David's response. Oh, and, and actually we can't skip this. And then Mr. A prays for David, essentially. He says, may the Lord your God accept you. In other words, I'm with you. Now watch this, verse 24. The king said to Mr. A, no, but I will surely buy it from you for such a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that, with that which costs me nothing. Listen, there's something really important there. Do you know that your salvation, the grace of salvation is free? you'll never be able to do anything for it. Follow me? You can't even add something to it to make it a little more powerful <laughs> or something. Yes, but, but now listen. The grace of sanctification, <laughs> the grace of letting God have what he wants in you so that you're walking into the destiny of being a power and authority carrier for the kingdom of God. Anointing the weighty presence of God is very costly. It's not without a cost. You see this concept, you see this truth throughout the word of God. And here, David knows, he says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. You see, that's a change of heart. That's heart change. That's, this is, this altar is in a place where David realizes that walking with the Lord into the power and authority that is my destiny is a very costly thing. It's the fire of God. It's the grace. um, Do I have that back? It's the grace of his, it's the fire of his grace. It's the hard stuff. It's the trial that brings us to, to a heart with God where we say any cost is worth it. 
You see, you know, one thing that happens when, when we think grace is just merely the favor of God or all the blessings and wonderful things, here's what happens. Favor will begin to exalt us. Well, you see it all the time in the Word of God. They, you know, in the book of Judges, Israel lived in a, in a perpetual cycle. You follow me? They were with the Lord, and then they fell away, and then they were with the Lord. It's because favor, the favor of God has this way of bringing about in our life where we no longer become dependent on Him. We start, we start counting on programs or data or just like David was doing, that great sin, and we, we start to move away from from just the requirement of, your, of the weighty presence of the Holy Spirit upon us, when it gets comfortable and easy and wonderful all the time, it can have an exalting effect. And I want to tell you that, that the Word of God, we could study this out for, for months if we wanted to, but the Word of God shows that the favor of God is, is meant to bring us lower. The blessings of God, the favor of God, it's meant to, to, to create such a humility in us where, where, oh God, the greater you are on my behalf, the more I fall on my face and the more I realize I want nothing of this world. I want nothing of this world's ways. God, show me your ways because the, the favor and the blessing of God is supposed to take us to that place. But, <coughs> excuse me, so often it doesn't. So often it leads us on that cycle of judges, okay? And so, so here's what we've got to do. We've got to recognize that um, the grace of God is some of the most fiery, it's the hardest things, <laughs> that he is so good to bring us into that season. Thank you, God, for being so good <laughs> that you passed me through your fire or I'd kill myself for sure. You got it? I would destroy myself for sure if it was not the fiery grace of God. Okay, I think I'm going to do a couple more verses. Actually, just one more, I think. So David, now listen to this. I'm going to back up again. Second half of 24. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. Your true offerings for the Lord are something it has cost. Your salvation's free. Don't, let it, don't ever let anybody confuse you about some silly thing. It is your fire insurance is absolutely free. Being a person that's walking into the great, mind-blowing, things that you can't think or know to ask, destinies like that, that's costly in the grace of God. That's a costly fire. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver, and David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Now listen, so the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. And you might think, I have to put this out there. You might think that I'm preaching this or this could be suggesting that like it could be related to COVID or the, the current physical plague. I just want you to know God may be doing that. I'm not sensing that. And that's not why I'm teaching out of this verse. I'm going to say we have plagues <laughs> that need to be removed. 
Okay, we talked about him last week. He's he, the removal of the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the, yeah. The stupidism sites, all the things. We, <laughs> we have plagues that need removal. And sometimes it is the mercy and favor that does that. You read about that in Scripture too. But often, a lot of times, it's the fire of grace that can be pretty darn painful. Sometimes it lasts a day, sometimes it lasts a decade for God to get what he wants in us. Okay, I've, I've one more thing I, I was going to do. I need to decide if I'm going to read it or just tell you for time's sake. Now, yeah, let's read it. You guys always let me get away with it. Should we read it? Okay. All right, go to Luke 22 and verse 31. You're all going to know this very well. This is Peter's um, denial spot. Okay, I just want to show you some things. I'm going to remind you, you guys already know these things. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your, bre your brethren. Now, how many of you believe that Jesus' prayers are effective? He's pretty good at prayer. He's uh, the prayers of a righteous man avail much. And he was really righteous. So, um, yeah. Do you notice that he prays for people? He says, Satan's asked to sift you. In other words, what? Satan's asked to, to take a, a pretty darn hardcore trial for you. Okay? But don't worry. Jesus is going, don't worry, I've prayed for you. Do you know the word of God says he prays for you? Do you imagine that? Do you, do you make sure that you imagine that and remember that sometimes? It's so important. He prays for you. He's interceding for you. Thank God. But here's what Peter says, verse 33. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. <laughs> you know, we, we kind of hold that against him like, oh, Peter. Um, but do you know that I think it's that spirit in him that God goes, man, I love you, Peter. That like that stuff, I think, he's, I think the father's up there saying to himself, if we can redeem that, <laughs> we are going somewhere. That, that's, that's something that we can, we can use, you got it? And that's why all this trouble, that's, that's why there's all this fuss over Peter. Do you know he fusses over you? I'm serious, he never stops thinking. I just know this from the word of God because I know Jesus. <laughs> he's always fussing over you. He's creating fiery circumstances and, and he's praying for you and he's making these cool plans. He's like chuckling to himself, going, he's having a thought like, um, what should I do with you? And he's going, <laughs> I know what we're going to do. <laughs> he, care, he loves you that much. And that's what I believe is going on with Peter here. There's a fiery trial coming. Is it because he doesn't like Peter? It's because he's nuts about him. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day um, before you will deny three times that you know me. And he said to him, um, so, so he goes on, when, actually, let me see if I should, yeah, let's just read it. When I sent you without money bag, knapsack, or sandals, did you lack anything? 
And so they said nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. What is that? His death, right? The brutal side of grace. Is that grace that Jesus went to the cross? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like all of it. But it's really fiery brutal, right? That must be accomplished. And he was numbered with the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it's enough. In other words, they weren't, they weren't really catching on. Now, why did, I, why did I read all that? I want to tell you. In other words, this was a moment for them where in their actual walk, okay, in the reality of their life, the experienced presence of Jesus, the favor, the mercy, all the exciting stuff was about to be taken away. And that's where he's saying, no, no, get ready now, okay? Get ready now because there's a fire where I'm going to get some things I want in you. Now, I've got to put this out. Do you realize when you read this story that Peter actually fails the trial? I hope that's encouraging to you. Do you know that Peter failed the trial and God still got what he wanted in him? <laughs> if that's not encouraging, I just sometimes I just sit and think of that. <laughs> I'm way better at failing than succeeding. And it just really encourages me that the Lord, it's, it's his job to get what he wants in you. It doesn't mean you don't walk through the fire, the hard part of grace. Are you tracking? So he fails the trial. God gets what he wants in Peter. Now I would ask you, um, here's why I'm doing this, and it's really just for this one thing. Then we're going to stop and see what the Lord wants to do. Ordinarily, do you normally think of the fact that God allowed Peter to be sifted like that? Do you normally think of that as God's grace for Peter? No, normally not, huh? But is it? How about when um, God allows the whole nation of Israel to fall into the hands of Babylon? Do you normally think of that as grace? Or is the grace just when they're redeemed from that bondage? Tracking with me? See, it's very important. I, I just think the Lord put this on my heart. I think it's really important that we, that we see a couple things accurately. One is the movement of the Spirit of God in this world, and I even mean in the current events, okay? Are the terrible things part of God's grace in the movement of the Spirit of God? And now how about take it, take it away from just the goings-on of our present day. How about, how about the goings-on of your present day? Just your life. How often do you think it's the grace of God when he redeems you or restores a broken or fiery part of your life? That's the grace of God, saving you out of something he lost control of. <laughs> See, like in Peter's story, and let me just do this. I think there are three options, 
okay, in the way we look at Peter's story. One is the Lord needed to punish Peter. Now, we, it almost, I think I heard it cause a giggle in somebody, how ridiculous that option is. But how often do we do, we do that? Lord, have I done something wrong? <laughs> do you know what that means? Do you know what it means when you say, Lord, have I done something wrong? It means, are you punishing me because I'm, because I'm stupid, I did that. Uh, that. That's the only logic behind, Lord, am I, am I going through this because I did something wrong? Am I not good enough? <laughs> so, that's ridiculous. Or, the only other option, option on this side of the equation is um, God fell asleep at the wheel. He needs you to wake him up. This is where we're praying prayers. Lord, <laughs> where'd you go? I need you to turn your gaze on me as if his gaze left you at some point. He quit being delighted in you. He quit making plans for you. <laughs> wake up, Lord. You're sleepy. Or it's grace. <laughs> or it is actually grace. Because he's crazy about you. God's living power to save, redeem, and empower. His good plan to make sure you don't just have a pathetic life, but he's walking you into abundance. An abundant life requires things to be burned so you can hold that glory. You know, God, I just have to read this. This was one of those thoughts I believe he gave me. He's always endeavoring to destroy everything that gives a life, so to speak, that's not his. He's relentless about it. He is always endeavoring to destroy in you, in your life, things that give life, fake life, life that is not his. Because other sources will never lead us to the abundance, to the eternal life that you've already started living. Amen, amen. Okay, if I keep going, <laughs> we'll be here like another hour. Y'all want to invite the Holy Spirit to speak into this now? How many of you believe, I'm really asking, can you give me a show of hands? How many of you believe after what we just did in worship and in the word, that the Holy Spirit would actually like to say something personal and specific to you right now. How many of you? Everybody, I think. Almost everybody. That's awesome. Okay. And you want to do that? Okay. I'm just going to start praying. I'm not sure. Okay. No. Okay. Lord, you just guide. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, just guide us into what you want to do, Lord. I'm just going to start by praising you. Lord, you are so crazy about us that you have good love. Good love. You are so willing to take us everywhere, to take us into um, every hard thing, along with every wonderful thing that you bless our life with because you are unwilling to, uh, to let us fall out of your hand, to miss your plans. I thank you, Jesus, that it's not possible for us to miss your plans. 
And I thank you that that has nothing to do with us and everything to do with your faithfulness, with your power and authority, your goodness. We worship you for that in this place, in the place of our heart. Okay, Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to speak personally to each person. And um, I ask that you, you would bring to our remembrance one really incredibly hard trial or tough time or a season of fire that was painful. Bring one of those to our mind, Lord, where it was you. It was your grace. for a spirit of revelation to come over this place concerning this thing that you brought to our mind. I ask you to reveal what you saved us from or what you grew us to. What, what did you use that season for to get what you wanted in us? things the Lord always told his chosen people to do was when they saw his hand of grace in a huge way like, like what he just revealed some of you. He would tell them to set up something for remembrance. So I would just invite you in this moment, bring an offering to him and set up. You know, they, they would pile 12 stones or they would make an altar there. They would make an offering in that spot. And I would say, just set up something for remembrance. ever praised him for that hard time? Have you ever praised him for his grace to take you through that? I 
I see some yes nods. That's good. If you're, if you're wondering, are you, are you sure that you haven't? I just want to give you a moment to worship. Thank him for allowing that and for setting the boundary. It didn't kill you. In fact, it brought you into abundance, didn't it? Father, I thank you that uh, you are Father. You haven't even scratched. You haven't even put a drop of the abundance that you still have laid up for us, your bride, your beloved, your children. I thank you that, that we haven't even fathomed how much you have planned for us. And I ask a blessing over this church in the name of Jesus that this, this word would plant deeply in the heart so that as you continue to bring these seasons of fire, both in the church and personally for us, I, I speak the blessing that you will be a people who will see the hand of God in it. That even as you walk in the fire, you will have the revelation and wisdom to praise him. Because you know it's just, you can just tell people, God's just getting what he wants in me. God's just getting what he wants in me. And that is okay with me. Go ahead, God, get what you want in me. And so I just pray the blessing of wisdom and strength upon you. As, as I believe this fire is getting hotter, it's not cooling down at the moment. God is getting what he wants in us and the fire is going white hot. It's going white hot. But we're the people that are going to emerge on the other side without a smell, <laughs> without being charred. Wisdom and strength be upon you in the name of Jesus as we walk into the fullness of every good plan he has for you. So we give you permission, Lord. Go ahead and work on us. We ask you to get to work, Lord. We ask for a strong wind to blow the fire. Blow the fire. Come, Holy Spirit. Right now and in the days ahead, we invite you to have everything you want accomplished in our inner man. Strengthen us in our inner man. Make us a temple for your glory. And so we invite you to work in us. And I speak this where I'm seated in the courts of heaven. I speak this over you in the authority of the only name, Jesus. Receive the blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.